Welcome to our, our morning service, whether you're, you're here in the building or maybe you're watching online, maybe it's because you're unwell or maybe uh, you're on holiday, different part of the country, different part of the world and you're watching online. Either way, great to, to have you uh, with us in that way uh, this morning. If you're a visitor or a newcomer, it's great to have you with us this morning as well. Uh, please do stay for some refreshments afterwards. It'll be a great opportunity to, to get to know you. And a welcome also to our, uh, our newlyweds, Colin and Vicky, back from Honeymoon, looking very resplendent in their uh, Ghanaian outfits. I think you ought to stand up, actually, and um, <laughs> so everybody can see you. Uh, <laughs> yes, great to have you back. Well, we're going to have a time of prayer now, and uh, Jane Keel is going to come and lead us in our prayers, and then after that, uh, Andrew Thompson will bring us our reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, just to hold a thought in your head as we come to our Heavenly Father, I just think of the passage in Ephesians that says that our God will do exceedingly abundant above all we can ask or even imagine. And there's an old hymn that starts with that um, as we come, as we're coming to a king, large petitions bring, because such is his grace and power, none can ask too much. We just that, hold that in our heads as, as we come before him. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for those truths, that it is a king to whom we come. We come before the King of Kings, a holy living God. Uh, We thank you that you actually invite us to come. Those of us, we are rebel sinners, but yet we have a way that we can come and bring our petitions before you, all because of our Saviour, because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for him and all that he has accomplished for us. And we just ask that as we... um, come before you that we look at our our world and we bring that before you. Uh, It is indeed a big ask because our world is in dire need of our God. And we thank you that it is you to whom we come, who created all this, who gave us the ways that we should live. And we pray for parts of the world that are really troubled. We, We do bring Ukraine to you. We long to see peace there. Uh, Father, we again confess your ways are a mystery to us, but yet we would ask that you would bring peace, that you would give wisdom beyond the, the, the ideas of man. Again, we would come with that cry of that exceeding and abundant. And Lord, we, we think of troubles just across the channel there, where we see civil unrest. We see so much in our world. It requires peace. The answer is the gospel. And therefore we do pray for such that um, that you are at work in this world. You have promised that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for families like the Mangas who are um, laboring for you there in Senegal. We do lift them before you particularly this morning. We ask for your protection. We ask that you give them wisdom. And we pray for that work that they are doing there. We thank you that you've put it in their hearts. And we know that if you put that in their hearts, that you will provide for them. 
And we pray that you would make us faithful in praying for them and giving of our resources, which ultimately, Lord, have come from you anyway. So, Lord, we would lift them to you and thank you for them. And there are many, as we know, in our world that labor for you. We thank you for them. And we bring our own nation before you. Uh, We are instructed, Lord, to pray for those who are in authority over us. And we thank you again for the scriptures that tell us not to put our trust in men and princes. Oh, Lord, we see the evidence of that with our eyes. When men reject you and your ways, we see the chaos that unfolds in our world. Therefore, we do pray for those that are in our governments. We know they're there because you have placed them there. And we pray particularly for for those that are your people. We pray not just for those in, in parliaments, but those behind the scenes. We know that every one of them there is placed there because you would have them there and you would have work for them to do. And we pray, Lord, that those people that you have placed there, that you would make them bold, you would help them to stand firm and to be that light, as we've just sung, that they would indeed, the inside, to shine out in a place that we we perceive as being so dark these days. And we do pray for each of them, praying that they too will come to an end of themselves and to find you and see our nation revived. Oh Lord, and we think of our own church here and the work uh, that you call us to do. We thank you that you have placed us here, part of the body of Christ, part of this worldwide church. Again, Lord, we know that you have called us uh, to spread the gospel just in this village. Uh, We thank you for all the work, the ministries that are done in this place. Lord, we have many needs. Um, You know the individual needs of each ministry. But we thank you that you do provide. And therefore, Lord, we come and we ask that there would be uh, more people, there would be more resources. You know our needs. And Lord, we, we look into our world and we see that the The harvest is white, but the laborers are few. We are your laborers, Lord, in this place. And we would ask that you would stir us up. You would cause us to have a real desire to serve and to work together as that body, given the gifts by you to serve one another. And as we serve one another, so we grow to love one another. And as there again, we we shine out for you. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would be pleased to honour the work done in this place. So we thank you for our pastors and our elders. We pray for their protection. We pray that they would have wisdom beyond themselves. We pray that you would keep them united, that there would be no dissension among them, and they would lead us well, that they would equip us to do those good works that you prepared for us to do. Oh, Lord, we bring this to you. Uh, they are big asks, but as we've already thought, you are a God who can do all things. And we think of individuals here, Lord. Um, There are many with needs of all sorts. We thank you that some may be just known to you. But we do think particularly of families that have lost loved ones. Oh, Lord, um, we, we confess death is that terrible enemy. And we think particularly of uh, the Savage family. Our hearts ache for them. Uh, death uh, is hard. We confess that uh, we struggle, even many years, having lost loved ones. The pain still is there. But we do thank you that as your people, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has defeated death. It has lost its sting. 
And therefore, Lord, we pray that you would comfort those that mourn with the comfort only you can give. And we do lift them particularly before you and we remember, but we rejoice too that on Tuesday we have Leslie's uh, funeral. We pray for Mary and Dave and her sons and husband for the pain that they will feel. But we thank you that um, Leslie is no longer in that place, but with yourself. And therefore, we, we pray for ourselves. It is us that hurt. It is us that struggle with loss. But we thank you ultimately that the Lord Jesus Christ has defeated all this. And we praise you and thank you that you have opened our eyes to see these truths. And Lord, as we come to your word now, we, we pray that you would illuminate it to us, that you would speak to us through your word. We don't want to hear opinions and ideas of man. Therefore, Lord, we pray that you would take hold of the words that Neil speaks and just powerfully penetrates our hearts, that we might see our lives changed. Uh, Lord, this is nothing that a man can do. Only you can do this. And therefore, we come with our big petitions that you would save souls. Uh, We ask these things because of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to see him lifted in this place. Uh, We ask all these things in our Saviour's name. Amen. If you were writing a letter to describe the church, what would you say? The Apostle Paul uses a number of metaphors, and one of his favourite metaphors is to describe the church as the body Now, be careful, because you might think, well, my body's a bit creaky, so it's probably not always that accurate. But we take this metaphor and see that Paul is so enthusiastic about it that he he goes to great detail to describe what he's driving at. So listen carefully. If you're following in the Church Bible, it's page number 1,153. In the large print Bible, it's 1,745. Spiritual gifts and the body beautiful. Now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. 
and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles... Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. And he goes on to describe the glue that holds it all together. Thank you, Andrew, for reading for us. Uh, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. And we do pray now that you would speak to us through your word that you would equip us, your people, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Willie Shaki's song, um, Send Me an Angel, some of you may know that one, uh, maybe some of the younger guys, um, which she sang at Whitney Houston's funeral, begins with these words. Sometimes I feel like I don't belong anywhere. It's a common feeling that many people have, one which was heightened during, during lockdown. People became isolated, lonely, out of touch with others and craved for community and connection. Even before the pandemic, the UK had been dubbed the loneliness capital of the world and the government appointed a minister for loneliness. Now, the reason as human beings that um, we need to belong is that we have been made in the image of God. We are relational beings. And whether we are introvert or extrovert, we all need people. Above all, we need a relationship with God. But as we said last week, when we were looking at what it means to be filled with the Spirit, becoming a Christian is not just about having a relationship with God, but becoming part of the people of God. And one of the ways in which we see that someone is filled with the Spirit is that they have both a greater joy in their relationship with God, but also a greater joy in their relationship with others. It's that relationship with others that uh, we're going to be focusing on this morning because if we're part of the body of Christ, the church, we now have an identity. We have a sense of belonging and we have a role to play. Each person is important to God and important to one another. And it's the Holy Spirit who is instrumental in all of that. So three points we're going to be looking at uh, this morning. Through the gift of the Spirit, we all belong to Christ We all belong to one another, and we are each given different gifts for the benefit of one another. So let's start with that first one. Through the Holy Spirit, we all belong to Christ. When people form an organization, uh, maybe a charity, maybe a corporate, um, maybe a social club, they would generally have something in common, and maybe a common interest. Members of the Village Gardening Club that uh, meets here in the church share a love of growing plants or vegetables and trying to win the best tomato competition. It may be a common concern. The members of the CA group who also meet here in the church share a desire to be freed from addiction. So what is it that members of a church have in common? Well, the answer is here in verse 3. And it's not so much what... But, but who? It's the fact that we can all say Jesus is Lord. Verse 3 says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's the most important thing we have in common. Um, we may have different social or education or ethnic backgrounds. We may have different personalities, but none of that matters if we can say Jesus is Lord. And what that means is that we all accept that we are not Lord of our lives. We may be able to remember a time when we lived as though we were Lord of our lives. We may be able to remember a time when we were led astray to worship what it calls here dumb idols. But something happened to change us. What was that? 
the Holy Spirit enabled us to see that Jesus is the true Lord and to put our faith in him. To say Jesus is Lord is not just to trot out uh, an empty phrase, it's to live a life of submission to him. It's to put to death our old selfish ways of living and enjoy life in Jesus. Life as it's meant to be, life in relationship with him. That's what unites us. That's what defines us. Jesus is the one in whom we find our identity. So if we all belong to Jesus, then what that means is that we all belong to one another. And the image that Paul uses to describe that unity, that that oneness in this passage, is a body. In verse 12 he says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is. With Christ. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are part of his body, the church. If we are united to Christ by faith, then we are automatically united to each other Christian in the body, the one body of Christ, the universal church. There may be millions of local gatherings of Christians in different parts of the world, which we call local churches. But as Christians, we are all united to one another. And one day in heaven, we will be reunited around the throne of God, which is a wonderful thing to look forward to. But where does this unity come from? It says in verse 13, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Our unity exists because every member of the body belongs on exactly the same terms. We've all come to faith in Jesus Christ. We have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. As Paul wrote in Romans 8, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. When we are converted by the Spirit, we receive the gift of the Spirit, we become members of the body of Christ, and therefore we belong to one another and we need one another. The reason the image of the body is so helpful is that it shows that we're not all the same. In fact, we can celebrate our differences. Verse 14 says, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Someone has calculated that the human body has apparently 100 trillion cells, 206 bones, 600 muscles, and 78 organs. Uh, We have about 100,000 hairs on our head, some of us a few less, (laughs) and 9,000 taste buds. Most of us haven't got a clue how it all works. All those things together make up a body. We may not appreciate how important each part of the body is until one day it doesn't work and then we try and find out what it is that it was meant to do. But even if we don't know how these internal organ systems work, we do know that we need them if we are to be healthy. We'll probably be more aware of our external body parts and how much we need them. As it mentions here in the passage, our ears, eyes, hands, feet. We know how much we need them. The body's an incredible design, isn't it? It's one of the reasons, um, together with the the design of the world in which we live, that um, I was convinced of a young age of the existence of God, even before I fully understood my need for a saviour. In the same way that God has created the human body, with every part functioning just as it should do, so God has ordered the parts of the body of Christ. 
with every part functioning just as it should do. And the wonderful thing about belonging to one another is that there's this total integration, isn't there? Which means that um, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. And we all know that when one part of our physical body is not working, it affects the rest of the body, doesn't it? It may just be a little thing like a splinter in your finger. It can affect the whole body. And the same applies to the church. Our lives are intertwined. If one person suffers, then we all suffer with them. We mourn with those who mourn. We mourn with David Savage and his family following the loss of his mother yesterday. We mourn with Mary and David over the loss of of their daughter, Leslie, with Jackie and the family over the loss of her mum, with David Robertson over the loss of his brother, and many others we could mention. We suffer emotionally with those who are suffering because of illness, those who are struggling with, with family issues. Likewise, when someone is honoured, it says here we rejoice with them. We do, don't we? We rejoice with Colin and Vicky over their marriage. We rejoice with Dave Green and Callan Tash, who we heard about on Thursday night, as they follow God's calling, remembering that the body is not just about the local church, it's about the universal church. We rejoice with someone when they come to faith because we welcome them into the body of Christ. They now belong to us, we belong to them. We rejoice with someone when they express their their belonging to this local church by coming in to membership. We're all part of the one body and therefore we belong to one another. But we're each given different gifts. Verse 4 says there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them. I'm not going to have time this morning to get into the meaning and practice of each one of these gifts that are listed here um, and it's not meant to be an exhaustive list. Um, Saab's going to be running another gifts course uh, later in the year for those who would like help in identifying what their gift might be. But what I'd like to focus on this morning is um, what are some of the principles of these, these gifts? Because I think what that is is more important than trying to work out what the particular gift that you think you might have is some of these really key principles. And one of the first of those is purpose. What is the purpose of the gift that God gives to each one of us? Our gifts are given for the benefit of each other. Verse 7 says that each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What does that mean for the common good? Well, another way of saying it is in verse 26. Um, come back to that. Uh, his part should have equal concern for one another. And as Andrew said, um, in chapter 13, if you go into that, we see the glue that holds those together is love. It mentions a few gifts and says, without love, they're nothing. They're worthless. So this concern is a loving concern for one another. What does that loving concern look like? Well, let's have a look at some, some other texts to help us understand it. In Romans uh, 1, Paul writes, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. As members of the same body, 
You'll share a faith in Jesus Christ, as we've seen already. So spiritual gifts are given so that we may help and encourage one another to grow in our faith. Back in 1 Corinthians, as it says, a couple of chapters later in chapter 14, verse 3, specifically about prophecy, but I think it applies to all the spiritual gifts. It says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So the purpose of our gifts is to love and encourage our fellow believers. Being a Christian is not just about uh, coming to church. It's about belonging to a church family who you want to love and serve and be loved and served by. And if we fully grasp that purpose, it becomes less important to know precisely what gift I have got. Because then what we're doing is we're praying that God will give us a desire to help others. He'll make us aware of who is in need. We're praying he would help us to see how we can help them. And we're praying he would give us what we need to be able to help them. So if you then do or say something which helps another person, which encourages them and strengthens them, God has given you a gift. If you said something helpful that has enabled them to be strengthened, encouraged, or comforted, in some ways, we don't need to get hung up on what sort of speaking gift it is, whether it's a, a gift of wisdom or knowledge or prophecy. It's a gift from the Spirit that you have used for the benefit of someone else. Maybe you ask God to help you uh, see somebody who is in need, uh, and, they, and he shows you um, somebody with very practical needs. And you're able to help them using a serving or a, a practical gift. If you do so... Um, maybe you know you have a practical gift and if that's the case then have a word with uh, Lawrence Keel um, because he heads up the, the practical ministry team he'd love to hear from you we're each given gifts for the benefit of one another and we show that we belong to the body of Christ through our willingness to use those gifts as it says in 1 Peter 4 each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Our gifts are for the benefit of each other. Secondly, um, key principles that identity is in belonging to Christ. It's not in the use of our gifts. If we've received new life in Jesus Christ, the natural thing to do is to, to want to serve others using the gifts God's given us. There's great joy, there's great encouragement in being useful in that way. And serving one another. But our ultimate joy and identity is not found in the use of our gifts. There are two dangers here, I think. One is um, those with many gifts, or maybe quite high profile gifts. The danger for them is that their ministry, the use of their gifts, becomes their identity. When Jesus sent out uh, his disciples, 72 of them, to heal, to perform miracles, they came back and they were full of it. But what did Jesus said to him? He said to them, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. But then he says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, your ultimate joy should be in using your, not in using your gifts, but in knowing that you belong to me, that you have 
been saved. If our identity is in our ministry and using our gifts, then the danger with that is that as soon as we stop serving, we may feel lost, we may feel undervalued, we may feel we no longer have a purpose. And sure, we may feel like we don't actually belong. Also, if we have many gifts, there may be the danger of pride, danger of arrogance. As it says in verse 21, look down there in your Bibles, it says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. If we remember the purpose of our gifts, which is to serve others, then hopefully we won't look down on others who have fewer gifts or are weaker. But we value them in the same way that God values them. The thing we need to remember is that a gift is precisely that. It's a gift. It's not a personal strength. And God hasn't given us that gift because he thinks we somehow deserve it. It's because of his grace. I didn't choose to be a pastor. God called me. He equipped me to do that. And therefore I performed this role out of a love for him and a love for his people. And out of obedience to him. Also, giftedness should not be confused with godliness. Just because someone appears to have many gifts and is active in the life of the church doesn't necessarily mean they are spiritually mature. The danger of having many gifts also applies to a church. If a church feels that it has a lot of people with a lot of gifts, it's easy to look down on a church that has fewer people with fewer gifts. And I think in the past, we've probably have been guilty of that attitude of self-sufficiency. So it's been a wonderful privilege in recent years to be able to support other churches like, like Marlowe and Buckingham, and hopefully there'll be others in the future. The other danger is for those who have few gifts, or would rather have the gifts that somebody else has. Have a look at verse 15, what it says there. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body... It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. He's saying the foot might think he's got a bit of a raw deal here. I've got to keep the whole body standing up. I've got to walk along the ground. I've got these smelly socks to put up with. I'd much rather be a hand. Hand gets to do everything, doesn't it? You know, a hand gets to shake somebody else's hand, to hold a hand. Gets to play a musical instrument. Gets to create things. And so instead of thinking the foot without me, actually the body wouldn't be able to walk or run or stand, wouldn't be able to do a pirouette or score goals, the foot instead says, I don't belong to the body. Paul was saying to those who were envious of others who had different gifts that they were just as valued. God values each one of us. He doesn't show more value to someone because he gives them what is perceived by us to be a more interesting or more important gift. He values each one of us because we are his children. Our identity is in belonging to Christ and not in the use of our gifts. Thirdly, it's God who determines the use and limits of our gifts. 
at the end of the passage in verse 28 onwards, Paul lists some of the gifts that God has given different individuals. He, he says this, God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. He then asks the question, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? The expected answer to each of those questions is clearly no. Because as it says in verse 18, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He doesn't want everybody to be apostles or teachers or workers of miracles, etc. But for each of us to have a different gift and a different role. Verse 11 says, the spirit <clears throat> distributes them to each one just as he determines. God is the one who's given us a gift. And he's the one who gives us the opportunities to use that gift. And just because you're performing a certain ministry at one time, doesn't mean that God wants you to do that forever, for the whole of your life. And this is where we need to stay close to him. Uh, to walk in step with his spirit. What is God saying to us now about the use of our gifts? Maybe he's saying, actually, you're in exactly the right place. Be content with what you're doing. Keep on serving in that way because you are blessing so many people with that. Maybe he's saying, actually, to us, I want to set you aside from using that gift for a period of time. Just because he's given us a gift doesn't mean he's given us a right to use it when we want to use it. Maybe saying, I want you to perform a different role. Step up and use the gift I've given you. Come on, don't hold back. Maybe saying, I want you to serve in a different part of my church. I want you to serve in another part of the country or another part of the world. Or maybe I want you to give up your secular work and go into full-time Christian ministry. Or the other way around, I want you to give up full-time Christian ministry and go into secular work. God gives us the gifts. He determines the limits of our gifts as well. And so... um, we need to humbly acknowledge those limits. We need to accept where we're not gifted. I know we live in a world where we feel we have to somehow prove ourselves or justify ourselves. Um, where we feel we're being judged or evaluated. But let's not pretend to be what we are not. Let's not pretend that we have the gifts that we don't. But let's focus on the gifts that God has given us. And use them for his glory. That also means rejoicing in the gifts that God has given others um, that we don't have. And seeing the beauty of just how those things come together in this one body, in the church, just as God has designed it. Well, as we close, before we come to the Lord's table, um, let's look again at that verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. If we are followers of Jesus, we are part of his body. We belong to him, which is a wonderful privilege and something that is open to everyone. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you promise to follow him as your Lord. And if you'd like to know more about what that means, uh, then do please have a word with me or, or Colin afterwards or we can arrange to meet up and talk about it. As we've seen, part of the joy of belonging to one another is the opportunity to love and encourage one another and be loved and encouraged by each other. 
So as we do go from here, let's pray. Let's pray for a heart of concern. Let's pray for an awareness of the needs of others. Let's pray that God would give us the gifts we need to help those he wants us to help through the power of the Holy Spirit.